main speaker for the evening, Dee Dee, also from somewhere close. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Didn't get transferred when the. Hi, my name is Dee Dee. I'm an alcoholic. And by the grace of God, I'm sober on a Sunday night. You know, is there anybody else in the room that feels like, wow, amazed, dazed, like on a Sunday night? You know, maybe if you came in on a court card, you're like a little irritated that you're here on a Sunday night. But, um, you know, for me, it's those Sunday nights were really hell. Those Sunday nights were really, really hell. So I want to um, thank Bill and Jesse for inviting me, and Kent and Tom for confirming. I'm trying to get it, all the thank yous in, and thank you, Kathy, for coming and, and, and speaking. So um, I want to be sure to, to welcome the newcomers. You know, um, the, the welcome that, that we give you is genuine. I don't know why other people welcome you, but I, I have three specific reasons that I, I welcome newcomers. And one is the identification. And that identification is one of the main reasons that AA works. Because if you hear something about alcoholism from a psychiatrist or somebody else who's professional, it's a little easier to slough it off than if you hear some, your story from somebody who's actually gone through it. And so um, I can identify with you. You may not be able to identify with me yet. You're, you know, you've got that. <laughs> we, we look at the speaker and we go, well, no, she's a woman. She may not have. And then she's an older woman. She may not have. And I don't like the way she's dressed or any of that. But I was taught early on to look for the similarities rather than the differences. Because um, I learned early on that everybody in the room was probably not there by accident, and that um, we'd all known how to, dry, to live drunk. But the ones that stick around were the ones that you know, really learned what the program had to offer. And then the, the, the second reason is that um, you know, it's about service, so the 12th step. We, we, we are here to, I want to start this thing so I have an idea. Um, we're here and we come back to be here when the newcomer walks in the door. And there were people here when I came in that freely gave me their time and attention. And um, I want to welcome the people that come in and I, we hope, I hope that you stay around so that you um, can really take advantage of this. And the last reason is I'd really like to get as many drunks off the road as I can, you know? <laughs> um, and, we, and, and it's good that we laugh, but I'm, I'm wearing this band for my little 16-year-old um, friend, he's, it's, he's not directly my friend, it's my granddaughter's good friend who was hit by a drunk driver in late October. And, uh, you know, he, he made it, but he's got a long haul. There wasn't much of his body. He was hit at, I can't remember how many miles per hour in the rain, spun around, you know. Paramedics had to do a, a, an immediate tracheotomy and you know the whole we, ca we cause a lot of damage when we're out there and then somebody says to you you don't have to do it anymore you know you really you don't you have a new choice it's like okay so the identification part so I'll tell just a little bit about my story I um, was born into a family of um, an alcoholic and, and uh, um, my mother was a little mentally off and 
Um, my dad was that fall down in the gutter, beat your wife, go to jail, throw furniture through the window, uh, kind of drunk. And um, my mom had been in a, in a mental institution. And so, you know, when you think about, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room who have been damaged by alcoholics and alcoholism. So emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, a lot of abuse. So when a kid is growing up, and trying to, you know, develop, and they're in that chaos, and they're in that insanity, um, that's when some of those emotional twists started, was early, early on. So even though I was taught I cannot blame my parents for becoming an alcoholic, doesn't matter how they were or what they did, um, I think I was pretty well set up. And, um, on, uh, when I was 14 is the first time I had a drink that I remember outside the home. One of my cousins came uh, from Texas. I'd never met her before. I was living in Elsinore back when there was no lake there. It was a fun place to be. A lot of good things to do back then. And she said, let's go downtown and, you know, meet some guys. And, um, and I just went along with her, you know, and they got some beer and we got in their truck and we went off. And that, um, you know, that beer, um, I mean, I, I, I was a kid, as you know, as you're saying, it, it wasn't exactly panic attacks, but it was um, those, those odd feelings. And I remember my mother saying, oh my God, Deborah, you feel everything so deeply. You know, I mean, it was just a <laughs> sensitive, emotional, um, wiry, wiggly kid and um, took that, took that, drank that beer and that was a really cool feeling to sort of just settle in. Just sort of stop all that it's like that electrical, you know those electrical things that, that, that spin around that are doing the meter, that's how it feels up here. And that stopped and, um, and it was also the beginning of being able to blame somebody else because I let that guy touch me in a way that I wouldn't normally have let my guy touch me. But after all, it was my cousin who said that this is what we should do. So I got this good feeling and I got this way to pass off responsibility for, for what was going on. And um, had a lot of fun in high school. Um, drinking was, was, you know, sporadic and it was fun. Um, and then I, um, when I got married, I got married young. We didn't have money initially, but then later we did. We started making money and we, we had more to drink. And, and then, oh boy, we had more like, outside issues, you know. And he had to hide the cocaine from me because I love that stuff. <laughs> you know, it was like the wine was okay, but he would lay out a little bit. And then, you know, if I could find it, it was gone. And, um, so he kept that at bay. But what happened is, you know, the more pressure there was on me to be an adult, the more that old stuff surfaced. So now there's kids, and there's a job, and there's a husband, and there's all this stuff. And um, it's not going my way, and it's not going right. And it's not, and I'm, and I'm in this, in this um, you know, this dilemma of, comparison and not knowing how to do it and wanting to do it better and wanting to do it different. And I think that with me, it was always more and different, more and different. 
and so the you know the drinking continued and um, as was you know as Kathy alluded to you know I forgot my marriage vows I mean um, I, and I meant to say when you know when I was saying t talking about taking drunks off the street um, you know I drove drunk with my kids and I was um, I think my son was 11 years old and he said to me you know mom I don't mean to say anything but you're going 90 miles an hour and I had just had a little bottle of straight tequila, just like that little <laughs> thing, a pint, and gone and picked up my kids, and I was on my way to see my brother to commiserate, because life was not going my way. And so here's this kid saying, <laughs> Mom, because I'm in that place, I'm in that self-absorbed place, and I, you know, I, I mean, I'm not even where I am, right? Uh, and, and so when I say it's by the grace of God I'm sober, I really, I get that. Because I didn't have some of the yets that other people, I didn't hit somebody. I don't know why I didn't have an accident and, and harm either kid. Another time, a policeman pulled up behind me and I had my uh, tumbler of wine, which I always had, my 13-year-old daughter sitting there and I handed it to her. And she said, what do you want me to do with it? I said, I don't know. Do you want your mom to get in trouble? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know. So I have no place to say anything about, about um, when I start getting uppity or feeling like, you know, uh, I, can, I can see how people are not doing things quite that right. I just remember, you know, I jeopardized my kid's life. I said I love them dearly, and I jeopardized their life. So what happened is I worked in a small company. I worked with Kathy. I think there were less than 80 people in that company. And I think seven of them surrounding me were sober. And one of them, Barbara Lay, we both know, was watching the progression of my disease. Uh, she was very, very um, open about being in AA. And um, she befriended me, and I, I started talking to her honestly. And after the, the uh, she saw me doing a lot of crazy stuff. But the last thing that I had done, I finally got, uh, you know, I got a divorce because it was all about him. And I, uh, you know, he got the house and he got the, he got all that stuff. But I got out. I was going to get my sanity. And I'm in this um, little little condo. And then I get a um, a call from my uh, my mother and saying that my sister's second husband is molesting her daughter. And so I go into rescue mode, and I call her, and I say, you can have my condo. Just come down. We'll take care of you. So I left my condo and moved back in with my ex-husband, who never, we weren't even, I don't know where we were finished or what it was, but he, he, he never wanted me to leave, so I moved back in with, with him, but I paid him rent. You know, so, I mean, it's like, Barbara listens to this story and says, you could tell me it's none of my business, but that's the most asinine thing I've heard of. <laughs> and you might want to talk to somebody about that. And so I did. I made an appointment. And October 31st, 1984, I walked into a counselor's office. And I was fortunate because David said, you know, he, he, three sentences and you would know what's going on in my life, right? So he gives me the 20 questions. And I answered, I think, like 11 honestly. I find out later, I find out later it doesn't, what does it take one to, you know, but anyhow. So, but he doesn't say I'm an alcoholic. He just says, what do you think of the idea of not drinking while you're in counseling? And I thought, well, sure, how long can that go on? So I go back to work and I tell Barbara, 
what the counselor says and she goes well now that you have a desire to quit drinking why don't you come to a meeting with me I didn't have a desire to quit drinking I had a desire for the insanity to stop in my head you know for the band of bullies to quit beating me up and and and, and in my life I was comparing alcoholism to my father I wasn't I wasn't an alcoholic and it would have been better to be insane than be an alcoholic so um, so anyhow, I, but I did, I followed her. I went to the meeting. And like was said in the, in the birthday share, um, did I welcome the newcomers? I think I said, oh, I said, yes. Did I welcome the newcomers? Yes, I said, the three reasons I welcome you. And the chip takers, okay, I forgot. And um, congratulations. I remember hearing six months and going, oh my God, this time of year, yeah, to get six months through the holidays, that's a, a miracle. And your birthday share, you know, the... Um, the illusion, I mean, I just lost my whole mind here, so let me reset. Um, so it was, I thought it would be better to be crazy. So um, when I went to that meeting, uh, that meeting stayed on the first step for a year, which for some people, it just sounds insane, but this is in 1984. We didn't get chips every month. There wasn't, there wasn't what they gave you at the, at the end of a year was this cool little plaque that had the serenity prayer on it, you know? And um, it wasn't that we didn't work on the other stuff, but, but they realized, I think, that, you know, for some of us, we need a nice, firm foundation. So now, I've given up the um, trying to kill myself with alcohol and drugs, and instead of getting cash and prizes like I was looking for, I'm going to get this little plaque, you know, at the end of the year. But it was, it became, remember how important that was? It was like, I can't wait to get that plaque. But um, what I felt when I first came in was what is referred to in the, um, in the big book as a, the four horsemen. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. I mean, that just, that just described it. I was terrified that somebody was going to find out what I was doing. I was bewildered as to how, how, how am I, why is this happening? And frustrated that I'd say I'm not going to do it, and then I did. And total despair, you know, that despair, that ugly place that we get. We're so sad and so sick and self-loathing. But now I found this meeting, and um, when a newcomer came in, they focused completely on the newcomer. So somebody would do a 10-minute little talk, and then they would start in with all these suggestions on how not to have the next drink, you know. Um, they were, they, they were always uh, said, what you have is a disease. It's an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. You're not a sick person trying to get well. I mean, you're not a, you're not a bad person. Yeah, you are a sick person. You're not a bad person trying to get good. You're a sick person trying to get well. And that was very comforting to me, you know. Um, you know, back then they, they just talked about, um, we have this allergy, but no, you know, no, nobody really, really knew exactly what that was. And it's like dyslexia. You know, they didn't used to know that there's dyslexia. They thought, now they have screenings to look at it. Well, now they've got this whole disease concept where they show why we can't have drinks because we don't um, metabolize the we don't metabolize alcohol the same way that we do that others do. So now we've got this acetone level that, that creates the craving. 
that's why it has to be absolute abstinence. They talked about it's not the, f it's not the fifth drink, it's the first drink, which was such a concept. Um, they talked about halt. Don't get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired. I remember thinking, why the hell are they telling me this stuff when I'm in here trying to figure out what to do about this drinking thing that's caused me so much trouble? The first thing I do now is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I even taught my grandkids because it works with kids. I mean, you know, one of those, and I'm a little, two of them, and three of them, we're, you know, we're, 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 going, we're going on the floor. So there was a lot about... Um, taking care of yourself in, in different ways. Um, and since I had a disease, they said, this is your prescription, Didi. You go to meetings, you read the big book, you get a sponsor, you do the steps, and you develop a relationship with a higher power. And um, the, you know, so I got a sponsor, her name was Rosemary, and you know, I, would, I think that Rosemary's attitude was if you baby an alcoholic, you might bury them. So it was like, there's no babying. They didn't, they didn't baby us back then. Um, she sort of led me to the big book through As Bill Sees It, because I, I was pretty shaky. Well, <laughs> Kathy saw it. I mean, I was really, um, more, I had done more damage to my body than I realized when I, when I got into the program. So instead of just trying to have me do the whole thing, she, she had me um, buy the copy of As Bill Sees It. And because I couldn't even figure out what was going on, what I felt, she said, just go to the back, the index, and, and look and see if there's a feeling that you can identify. Then I want you to read everything that relates to that. So I started to get an idea. Oh oh, I'm angry, or I'm frustrated, or I'm anxious, or I'm fearful, or I'm whatever. You know, back then there was no texting your sponsor. We didn't do that. Um, and, and we both worked. So she said, if you can't get a hold of me, this is what you do. You, um, you pray, you write, you read some literature, or you call somebody else. And it, it has been surprising to a couple of my sponsees when I start to recognize there's just too much texting, not enough connecting, not enough just, you know, and some of it was dumping. You know, there was just dumping. So I would say, um, before you text me the next time, here's the four things I want you to do. You know, read something, pray, um, uh, call another person, and... Um, and see if that helps. So, but then she, she, she took me to the, to the big book because, you know, that is our basic text. And um, if you're new or fairly new or you haven't gotten a sponsor, it, I, would, I would strongly suggest you get one. That, if they don't mention the big book or they're not familiar with the big book or they don't use the big book, I mean, I, that's where we get our basic, basic um, basic text and basic information. And so if I'm, get, I'm confused about something, I'll go back to the big book. Because, the, you know, when we're really new, there's, there's, there's misinformation in, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I tell my sponsors, they're just blown away that somebody's done something awful in the program. I go, we are not the bedrock of mental health. We aren't, you know. Just because we're in, in recovery doesn't mean we're not 
you know, and some more than others, as you will see. There's the know-it-all, and there's the controller, and um, and I uh, so I I, I want to refer to page 133 in the in the big book because um, you can hear certain things sometimes with people how their their attitude about um, how it ought to be, and in page on page 133. This is in the family afterwards. It says, now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative. We, who have recovered from serious drinking, are miracles of mental health, as you said. But... We have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. But this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, practitioners of every kind. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them give freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Their services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer. You know, I mean, people who are, who are suffering from depression, anxiety, bipolar, I mean, to believe that the 12 steps are going to address everything, um, that isn't necessarily true. It is, it is addressed the spiritual malady. That's the piece that it addresses for us. Of course, if we don't drink and don't use, then we're in better shape. But um, if you need a doctor and you need a psychologist, there's a lot of, I mean, I had a lot of outside issues and um, I, I did um, take advantage of that. So my sponsor taught me that the steps um, are uh, the program of recovery. And also she said that, um, she didn't say this, Exactly, but I've, I've 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 surmised it over the year, years that they what they really are are the remedy for our relationships. You know that's really what the issue. Alcohol is but a symptom, and then there's all these causes and conditions, and most of the causes and conditions are people. <laughs> for me, it's people. So steps one through um, three uh, address my relationship with God, and so then here's that. G word, you know, the God word. Um, and for a lot of people, when they first come in, that's like, don't talk to me about God. Don't bring that up. I don't, I don't, uh, that's, you know, here it goes. I knew you guys were a bunch of, you know, religious fanatics. And if you really listen, if you really read the big book, that it, it's a God of our understanding that we can use any word for, you know, creator, I, ha I have a divine partner because for me, I need partnership. You know, I need to feel that I have a source that I can rely on that has my best interest at heart and is, is in partnership with me. And um, the source that I have is free of the disease. You know, all the people that I know are affected by the disease in one way or another. But this source is not. So one through, th one through three helps me with my relationship with God. Um, four through seven, my relationship with myself. And uh, 
you know, here I'll talk just a little bit about um, how, how the, the steps work for me. That fourth, first fourth step that I did was 55 pages. Do you remember all those questions they used to have? There's just, just tons and tons of questions. And so I dutifully, you know, I'm the little student that I am, I went through all these questions. I don't think I knew that I was going to read all of it to my sponsor. I mean, I don't, you know, and I was, I was really befuddled for a long, long time. So um, I probably heard things and didn't didn't get it. But anyhow, when I when I read her that, you know, that fifth step on um, this relationship with myself, I, I I remember the feeling of compassion that she had for me, and the feeling in the room of acceptance. And the and the um, just this this connection because she would nod at different times, and then she would say, "You see, you know, you see, honey, how this this could lead to that." I mean, it was it was unbelievable. But when I left, the feeling I had was I could be forgiven. There was just that little glimmer, that little hope that I could be forgiven. And I'm not sure where it happened in my first. Um, in my first, in my beginnings with sobriety, but I do remember when the promises were read at some point, you know, when, I, when there was an opening in my head, I heard, um, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And I heard a voice say, if that's true, I'm in. If that's true, because I could not believe that I would ever come to a point where I would not want to forget the past or shut the door on it. And now I know, now I see that that past is a part of my story, which is a part of my service. Um, and, and in doing, you know, in, in doing inventories, there's, God, there's so many new ones out here. There's just these lists and lists of different character defects. In the big book, there's just the four. Selfishness, self-seeking, dishonesty, and fear. So I'm always looking at at that, you know, am I being selfish, self-seeking, which is just another word for manipulating. Let me see if I can fix it the way I want to fix it. Um, dishonesty and fear, and fear, you know, fear is here all the time. I mean, it's just, it just sits on your shoulder and it's waiting to get a hold of you. And it's, and these are not necessarily just for alcoholics. This is, this is just the human condition. We just, you know, we just take it to the extreme. Instincts gone wild. Steps eight and nine, relationships with others. So when I first did, when I did the fourth and fifth, and now I've got my list of amends, and there's the, yeah, okay, yeah, I definitely want to, I want to go take care of that right away. And then the, these people a little bit later, and then the, no way in hell am I going to go tell that ex-husband that I'm sorry. It's just look at this list. Of, I got the fold out things of all the stuff that he's done to me, and um, and and I, I, I and you know that happens to all of us. There's somebody that sticks in our craw, and so my sponsor was very you know she was patient. She patted me, which I didn't like. She, you know. <laughs> keep coming back and it's all right and this too shall pass and you know all that you know the, the miracle the miracle's coming but um the the she said when when if you have any reservations or you have any expectations you're not ready to do the amends so um 
every, I mean, there were times I would think I'm ready. And I'm going to, and I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm writing this whole script in my head of what I'm going to say to him. And then something would pop up. But do you remember what he did? So it took three and a half years of sobriety before I was at that place where I just, it didn't, there was none of that. Because at different times, I don't know if this has happened to any of you. Is it really 10 of 9? Oh my gosh. Um, I'll wrap it up. Um, I would just see a scene in my head, and I could see him, and I knew how I'd hurt him. I just, I, I finally stopped trying to pretend that my actions didn't matter. And so one day he dropped our son off, and, and I walked up to the car, and I said, um, I said, Steve, I just want to tell you that I'm genuinely sorry for anything I did, any, any and everything I did during our marriage to hurt you intentionally or unintentionally. That was it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't this huge, dramatic thing. That was it. I didn't even know I was going to say it. And he said, do you feel better now? <laughs> I said, actually, yes, I do. And I went in the house and my legs went out from under me. I mean, it almost brings tears in my eyes because I couldn't believe that I was able to do that. Anyhow, these steps, um, and you know, the spiritual part of the program, the word ritual is in spiritual. And you know what we do? We just do simple, we practice simple rituals like praying and the steps and you know, one of the things that is the simplest spiritual thing we can do if you're new or fairly new is to be in the moment, is to just be present. But when all this is going on, you know, it's like, how do you do that? Well, my, my sponsor told me one time when I called her and I, you know, and she splashed my face and, and, and said, okay, what do you need to do next? I said, wash the dishes. And she said, okay, honey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, I'm washing the dish. I'm drying the dish, I'm putting it away. I'm washing the dish, I'm drying the dish, I'm putting it away. And in doing that was one of the first times where I had a pause in the insanity. And I was where my feet were. And, and, and the, you know, what it's like now, besides the fellowship and the friendship and the sponsorship, and I mean, I could go on and on about sponsorship, but one of the main gifts is the ability to be in the present and to really feel what I'm feeling and be there for somebody and enjoy it and notice and, and you know, have these moments of just absolute pure joy over the simplest things. And that may not sound like a lot to you right now, but boy, when you start to feel that, when you've stopped self-loathing and, you know, all the things that we were doing to try to kill ourselves and now you're just thrilled with the fact that there's something new today you know, and, and, and with the sponsorship, I mean, what a gift this is. My first sponsor would say, this you must not miss, to see the light go on in somebody's eyes. But for me, I hope I don't cry, but for me, to have another woman trust me with her heart, you know, it is an honor and a privilege. It is a, um, it is a gift. And then to be in a place where I am, to go from a, a, a self-seeking, selfish, basically lying, cheating thief to, to a person who wants to 
contribute, wants to be there for other people, and, and knows how to do it when I'm sitting across from somebody else. You know those, um, I didn't read The Bedevilments, but that was one of the things that she sent me to look at, and it talks about how we tra- trouble with relationships, and we couldn't work, and we couldn't do this, and we couldn't do that. All, that, all that's gone now. That, and one of them is, you know, we didn't feel we had a purpose. I never question my purpose when I'm sponsoring or when I'm doing something with the program. I never question my purpose. Other times I may, but never then. Um, and the promises. Oh, Sid, I, I, this, this is my gals know that um, I have what I call my Sid. In the big book, it's um, strength, inspiration, and direction. It says, uh, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of its spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. You know, to have intuition, to be able to feel what's going on in here, to be able to receive, you know, not only from other people, but, but when I'm open to it, to receive what, 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 what's next, what am I supposed to be doing next, is such a gift. And I remember when I read this, you know how you, you'll read something, it's like, no, that wasn't there before. But when it hit me the day I went, receive strength, inspiration, and direction? I mean, what else do I really need? I mean, if I'm given the strength and then the inspiration to know what it is, um, and the direction, then I'm, you know, I'm there. I'm there. So, um, with my last minute, um, God, I just, once again, I want to say, you know, welcome to the newcomers. I really, if you, you know, if you're, if you're in your mind, you're wishing, oh, gosh, I wish these people would just tell me how my life's going to change, it, just what it is that's going to be good, and um, when it's going to be good, and all that. It, it can't be done that way, because um, it says experience, strength, and hope. And I remember thinking, oh, that's why experience is first. That's why it's first. I have to experience it. Nobody gives it to me. And I experience that by being willing and by admitting and by going through these beautifully laid out 12 steps and by listening to a sponsor and loving on my sponsees and, and, and just receiving this gift that was so freely given to me. Thanks for letting me share.